0: Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide, as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Dave Polsini back again with another episode for business owners and I guess possibly anybody who has a 401k. Today, I have with us an expert on 401k plans, Austin Spite. Austin, how are you today, man?
2: Good, dude. Good. Good to be here. Happy to uh, see what we can uh, dig into.
1: Yeah, good to see you. So let's build some credibility For the listeners out there, so let's start here first and let's just start, let's jump right into your background. How did you get into this 401k business anyway? And then we'll get into what you're actually doing now, but how'd you get into this?
2: Yeah, so I started my career at Paychex and started in their their 401k operations center, Um, did a lot, did almost four years doing that. And then I jumped into more of the benefits realm. So the group health benefits realm. And then almost four years of that ended up uh, at Human Interest, which is a retirement plan, keeper TPA. So all said and done, almost just about 10 years in the uh, the broader benefits industry.
1: Very good. How, how'd you start there? Where'd, where'd you go to school?
2: Um, I was homeschooled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, after that, I uh, was like, I need to make some money, and so I went uh, right it right into paychecks. Got a temp job, worked for three months in that temp job, and they hired me full time at 18 years old.
1: Wow! Yeah, it's like the reason I asked that too is nobody that I've talked to, including myself, like went to school to find themselves in this field. That's that's changing no. and now. There's like financial planning majors and other things, but no no one went. They you kind of fell into the career right so. You needed to make some money and uh, you did an internship. That's great.
2: (laughs) That's right. Exactly.
1: So You went from the group benefits to all of those things. What what does a day look like for you currently? What are you doing on a daily basis to help business owners? How much can you take out of your current investments and never run out of money? When is the absolute best time to take social security? Are you 100% confident in your investment strategy? are you paying too much in taxes why if something were to happen to you today what would they find if you are doubting any of this and would like a second opinion or to review these items along with many more feel free to reach out to us you can visit us at www.sixpointfp.com or email us at info at sixpointfp.com back to the show so I'm a wholesaler for
2: human interest. My my day-to-day job is to work with financial advisors, payroll companies, benefit brokers, CPAs, basically anybody that is going to be a, a center of influence in the business owner community. My job is to work with them and see how, how I help them and their clients. So the way that I get to an end user on our platform is, again, through a center of influence who's really just looking to help their clients and, and hopefully that means using a uh, a human interest retirement
1: plan. Yeah. <laughs> how long's human interest been around?
2: <laughs> so we were founded in 2015, we're we're 8 years young and uh we're, we're growing fast, so.
1: Well, that's what I noticed. For the folks that don't pay attention to this stuff, it's uh, you you guys are taking off. So if you, I mean, so around for 8 years, you've been doing it for some of that time. How how many plans have you worked with directly so 401k plans?
2: So, I've worked on oh, at least 250 plans in the Rochester Buffalo Southern Tier area. So my my team has done somewhere north of a thousand plans in the, the Great Lakes area. And then as a company, we've we've done about sixteen thousand plans in
1: eight years. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of movement too, because the business owner listeners, they they know this. Making changes, it, it just it's just a pain. There's to be some real pain point on Why to make a change like the 401k? Because most people think, hey, my 401k is set up. I'm all set. I don't want to deal with that anymore. I'm a business owner. I have other things to worry about. So, But I mean, you've been part of thousands then and locally 250. But so let's jump into this. Because of all of that, and and you've seen a lot, give me like, let's do four mistakes that you see on a consistent basis or that you you see happening right now.
2: Well, I I would say, you know, to start, incidentally, I'd say that the, the number one mistake, I shouldn't say the number one, we'll start and we'll do a, uh we'll organize it from, I guess, mistake I see the least to the one I see the most. Okay. And so the one that I see the least, still a pretty prevalent mistake is business owners who want to go ahead and, and put a plan in place either for their own taxable benefit or to attract and retain talent, whatever the case may be, they get put into the wrong plan. So what I mean by the wrong plan is in the world of retirement plans, you have 401ks, you have simple IRAs, you have SEP IRAs. There's a handful of different retirement plans that business owners could align themselves with when they're first beginning, first starting out. What ends up happening a lot of times when they choose the wrong plan is they talk to somebody who may not be an expert in the field. They may not have their their finger on the pulse of retirement plans not to pick on anyone in particular, but CPAs, for example, CPAs don't, it's not there. They don't go to school for retirement plans. They don't have a, a license in retirement plans. And so what they'll do a lot of times is someone, you know, business owner will approach their CPA and they'll ask, Hey, I I A, I want to start a retirement plan so that I can save for my own retirement. B I'm trying to grow. So, you know, I need to, I need to find a way to attract new talent, retain my key employees. What do I do from a retirement plan perspective? And and the CPA frequently says, "Hey, let's let's put you in a simple plan because they're easy, right? So simple uh, simple IRA is not at all called a simple IRA because it's easy. It's called a simple IRA because simple is an acronym. Offhand, I don't know what that acronym stands for, but <laughs> simple is an acronym. And so that's what ends up happening a lot of times with small businesses that are just starting out. They're getting their first plan in place. They go to the one person they they know, they trust, they love because they're helping with taxes. And that's the CPA. And the CPA says, go with the simple plan. Simple plans don't always work out the best because A, if you're growing fast, that plan's not going to grow with you. It's a very, very cookie cutter. This is what it is. This is what you get. Also, simple plans require an employer contribution. There's zero flexibility there. An employer has to either do a match or some other form of contribution to the retirement plan. So, Again, it doesn't really take into account all factors and the, the the goal of the business. It's just something that people often get thrown into, you know, and end up staying in for quite a while, you know, unnecessarily.
1: Yeah, it, it just so you know too, because on our end, it seems for an advisor, it's much easier to set up a simple plan. Because it, it, it right. seems like less compliance, which we'll we'll get into and le- less of the stuff that I know that you guys offload for the advisor, but yeah, I mean, you said it and and they have to match a lot of startup 401ks or new 401ks. They don't, they don't want to do a match yet. They want to get the feeling for it, get the things up and going, but with a simple plan. So simple is savings incentive match plan for employees. That's what it stands for. And you're right. It doesn't mean easy. (laughs) simple. Doesn't mean easy anyway, right? Exactly. Um, Exactly. But, but you have to match and there's the contribution limits are different. So folks that make a lot more money may want there there are benefits to the 401k. I'll leave it there. But um so mistake number one is ultimately
2: you know ultimately it's it's just one of those things again where where those factors you know truly aren't taken into full account. Again, the end goal of what why are we setting this up in the first place isn't really taken into account. It's just, hey, you want a retirement plan, go with this and that's about it in a lot of a lot of cases.
1: So, so if we have a listener with a simple plan right now and they're questioning why they did it or they may think that they've outgrown it, can they change to a 401k? Yeah, they can. Yeah.
2: yeah. As of right now, this is changing next year, but as of right now, you can only change a simple plan once a year. So I'm, so, I'm sorry. You can only change from a simple to a 401k plan at one point in the year, and that's for January 1st as of right now. So right now is actually a time when a lot of business owners are... You know, hopefully reevaluating their simple plan and uh, getting some other options in front of them. And then they'll make that change for January 1st if, it, if it's the right fit. Moving forward next year, it'll be twice in a year that those changes can be made. So,
1: Do, do you know when that is yet?
2: I will have to get back to you on that. I I don't know the details offhand.
1: Okay, but it gives them another option. I want
2: to say, yeah, I, I want to say it's, it's mid-year. You can make a mid-year change, but from what I recollect, it's it's uh, you can do it there's going to be two different times
1: in a year you can do it. So, so there are options to get out of it basically. So, all right. So mistake number one is we may be getting into the wrong plan, either due to lack of knowledge, ease of the people telling you what to do, or uh, we just don't know what the end goal is. So what's the second thing that you see? Second thing that I see frequently is not
2: benchmarking the plan. So you're a business owner, you, you've got your plan set up. You've had it for a few years things seem to be running well, you've got your process down with it. It's at that point where a benchmark needs to be done at a minimum of, of once every three years. That's that's the Department of Labor's guidance on it, is, hey, at a minimum, you really should be doing this once every three years. Ultimately, it's about a 30 minute process all said and done to do it every year. And that's what I recommend. I mean, why not um, if it's that easy? So, and usually it's that's just a matter of, hey, I'm gonna pull these fee disclosures from my current providers, going to send them to my financial advisor or, you know, whatever other provider I'm working with or talking to, and they're going to do a side-by-side comparison for me and show me exactly where my plan stands among the competition. And, you know, the reason to do that is not necessarily, you know, a race to the bottom. You don't, business owners shouldn't necessarily be looking for the cheapest plan because you can always find a cheaper plan. There's always going to be a provider willing to completely drop their pants and uh, charge next to nothing. The reason you really need to be doing that is to ensure that you are getting what you're paying for. So maybe there's a service that provider B does that provider A doesn't do, and they charge a little bit more for that service. But if it's a value to you and the plan participants as as the business owner, that's the right move. Especially in the case of a you know any sort of audit, which most small mid sized plans aren't going to run into many audits. But you know, in the case that that does happen, you just want to have a a paper trail of this is what I did to ensure we were getting what we were paying for. And that's on the provider side. So plan TPAs, record keepers, but that's also on the financial advisor side. So if you have a financial advisor, you know, it's always smart to take a quick look at that every year and, and say, okay, what am I getting for what I'm paying? Or better yet, what my plan participants are paying? Because most often advisors are not charging the company, they're charging the assets in the plan. So for example, If you have an advisor who um, got slapped onto the plan, let's just say you were with a payroll provider that offers 401k and that payroll provider just slapped an advisor on the plan because there's some sort of agreement there and you don't really see that advisor. You know, They never come in. Maybe they call you once in a while, but they don't really do much in the way of participant education, investment advice. You may want to check into that because participants are, again, paying for that advisor out of their their savings, their their savings are going part of their savings are going to the advisor. So you really want to see an advisor coming into your office at a bare minimum, I would say twice a year, just to make sure things are up to date. A lot of advisors, a lot of good advisors do it quarterly. So benchmarking is not not benchmarking is I would say the second big mistake that I see on both again the provider and as well as a financial advisor side of things.
1: Yeah. So the the provider or yeah the provider part of it with the benchmarking, it never hurts to have a documented system and process right so if someone ever came yeah. in or they were audited or at least you, you can also show your participants like hey guys this is what we are doing just so you know to be proactive about oh, yes. the plan that you're in and it will keep yep certain employees happy right so they at least know That's you're right. thinking about it and you're working on it and, it, and it, you said it, it takes a half hour which is crazy to me nothing seems yeah. to take a half hour but i believe you the yeah. second part of it super easy yeah the the advisor for the listeners out there that don't know this it, it like if I had a good relationship with a local payroll company in Rochester and I have a buddy that works there, that, that friend could actually just put me on the plan, even though I've never met the business owner. Is that accurate? Yeah. So yep. so I could be put on the plan and that doesn't mean I've actually done anything or met with the business owner because they just don't have an advisor on the plan. They set it up through their payroll, right? And then the yep. advisor can be yep. added later. So what I think you're saying is basically that like, if you're added to the plan, the advisor better be doing something. And that leads me back to the documented process and system. If I'm an advisor on yeah. that plan and I'm working with my friend at a payroll company, I'm saying, Hey, here's my communication plan with these folks. Here's my cadence. I'm going to meet with them twice a year. And I'm making this up every March and every November, whatever it is. Here's what we're doing here. Are the videos we're going to send. Here's the educational content we're going to send out. Here's a podcast. We're going to send to your employees, right? We can do all these things in mass now to make that happen. So if the advisor is not, not doing those things, that's what you're saying the right. mistake is. Okay, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and to add briefly to that, so your first point on the provider side of thing, side of the benchmark, if I would actually recommend sharing with your employees, this is what we've done. Because at the end of the day, most litigation that's, that's done when it comes to retirement plans and excessive fees in a retirement plan is done because there was a disgruntled employee that you probably as a business owner had to let go. And they're just looking for ways to get money from you. So you avoid that entire situation. If you're very transparent with employees about that, you know, send, send a, a, an email out to the, the the entire workforce saying, Hey, you know, here's what we've done. And, and obviously you may have to, as a business owner black out some things, but just being transparent to the extent that we've priced out our 401k again this year. We're still in the best option or we're changing options because we feel it's best, you know, from a fee perspective for you, Mr. Employee or Mrs. Employee. So being transparent, that employee that you're going to fire because they didn't do their job, they're not disgruntled, but they're not, they're probably not going to try chasing you down on the 401k side of things or retirement plan side of things. Cause they know they just did this. They just did their due diligence. So there's no case here. Anyways, that's, that's, uh, I, I would highly recommend doing that you know, the more transparent you can be, you know, along those lines, the better. And then from the advisor perspective, as you said, a lot of payroll companies, there's these relationships, advisors get slapped on the plans. The the key thing there is the advisor doesn't necessarily just get put on the plan without the client's signature. What ends up happening is when a client signs on with said payroll service slash 401k, they sign a document that is usually many pages long, that Line item where the advisors added is a very small line item with their fee next to it and often gets messed. So the payroll company and whoever signed up that 401k plan is covering their, their rear end in that situation because the advisors listed on the paperwork, but the line item's so small that it's easily glossed over. So that's, uh, I, I would say the two details I'd like to add there.
1: How do, if I'm a business owner and I've signed this thing because I totally get it. Business, um, we're in a hurry. We're doing the, all the stuff we have to do. How do I know if I have an advisor on the plan or not if I'm working with my payroll person? Do they I show mean, up on the statement?
2: Advisor will show up on the statement. The advisor will also have their information shown on the website most often. The, the, the reality of the world we live in, though, is everything is done so fast. Everything's done so quick. The same reason that you'd sign that document with the advisor information on it and not see it is the same reason why you'd look at your account statement You'd want to see your gains, your losses, how much you got in there, but you're going to miss a lot of the other information on there, including advisor information. So, and again, that's also a way that the, you know, from, from to some extent the advisor covers his but is my information's there. You could have called me, but there was no proactive service done. So that's the uh, the key there is, is what are your service providers doing proactively to help you as a business owner?
1: And not to dive into this too much. I know we have two two more things to go over, but how do you help with that? Like do you, do you guys share best practices? Do you talk about advice like what what do you, Austin, and human interests do that m- these other companies are not doing then?
2: Yeah, education, just making our clients aware of to some degree the benefits of having the advisor on the plan, asking them a simple question. Do you know who your advisor is? you, you do have an advisor? Just again, that's why you benchmark is you get other voices involved so that you can compare apples to apples and again, make sure everything's on the straight and narrow. So, to, to some degree that what we do now, from from our perspective, when we're working with when I work with an advisor, there's always going to be an introduction made to the client, to the for, from me introducing the advisor to the client so that they know exactly who that is, and they're making a conscious decision, hey, I'm either going to work with this person or I'm not going to work with this person. I either see the value or I don't see the value. So being upfront and transparent is key.
0: A quick interruption. Six Point Financial Partners is taking on new clients. If you would like to take the next step in planning your future with Dave or the Six Point team, please visit them at www.sixpointfp.com to schedule a time or reach out via LinkedIn, Facebook, or
1: simply find us on the internet by searching Six Point Financial Partners. Okay, back to the show. Uh, Do you guys handle the benchmarking? So if, if I have a business owner listening to this, like, I don't want to get sued. By the way, man, there's there's always something. This is like another thing on the yeah. list for a business owner that's like, Holy cow, I gotta worry about this now. Some disgruntled employee, but which is a great point, by the way. You fire somebody, they're mad, and they say, Hey, what about my 401k fees over the last eight years? You owe me X exponential returns, and like I've I've actually seen that before, and it, it can get ugly quickly. And I'm just trying yeah. to run a, an HVAC business or something. It's like, why am I getting sued over a 401k plan? So like, d- do you come in and do the benchmarking for someone? Because I'm a business owner. I'm like, can someone just handle this for me so I don't have to think about this?
2: Yeah. Is that what you do? Yeah, we'll do a benchmark for anyone we work with. So we'll we'll do a full side-by-side comparison. Now, transparently, that's only comparing our services to what they currently have. That's one of the benefits you get you know, as a business owner working with a financial advisor is you are going to get to some degree, an uh, impartial look at multiple plans. So we'll do it, and a lot of our clients have found value in that. You know, honestly, because we're we're we've got a lot of value, and we're undercutting the market quite a bit. But I would highly recommend working with an advisor for that as well.
1: All right, so I got to ask one more. I told you I could ask questions all day about this stuff. You're, uh, let's go, um, let's do it. So if if I have a local. If I have a friend who you said slaps me on a plan, right? And they work at a, a payroll company and now I'm the advisor doing a benchmarking study and I move that 401k away from that payroll company, are they mad at me? Do they care? I really don't know how that works. They care. They do?
2: Well, I mean, it. it in some cases they do, in some cases they don't. So the sales team at whatever payroll company we're talking about, they may or may not get a residual sort of income based off of that plan. So they could. They could be very unhappy about it. They could be, care, you know, carefree about it. So yeah. that uh, really, really depends on what the honestly what the compensation agreement that sales rep has is with their company.
1: Yeah. So that that would make me nervous if if I were the advisor on the plan because it's like you you yeah. slapped me on the plan. Now I've done a benchmark and I yep. find it's not the best. Yep. <laughs> so yep. there goes my fiduciary yeah. responsibility.
2: And, right. In essence, you did you did me a favor, and now I don't want to kind of return the favor with a slap in the face.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: We like we like throwing the term slap around on this this podcast. Yeah, no, can you
1: So you get slapped on a plan, you slap them off the plan, they're not going to slap you on any more plans, right? So, I like that. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. All I right, mean, I could dive down that rabbit hole of uh, conflicts of interest and fiduciary responsibility all day, but uh, we don't have all day yeah. and you're busy, so let's let's go into the third thing that you're seeing right now, mistake.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So third thing would be plans that are not in compliance or plans where the administrator of that plan, which by the way, is usually you know the head of HR, business owner, controller. The administrator of that plan is taking unnecessary fiduciary duties or liabilities on themselves. An example of, of a non-compliant plan would be a plan that was put in place. And I, again, I don't like to necessarily pick on you know, the payroll companies that offer 401ks, but typically the plans that are non-compliant, usually ones that are set up by a payroll company. So example of a non- non-compliant plan would be, let's just say I started my plan in 2015 and I had an example of this this morning. This was the almost the exact information. I had a plan started in 2015, filed my form 5500 in 2015, because that's when I was started. It was top of mind, but I haven't filed a form 5500 since. I guess to backtrack a little bit a form 5500 is basically a compliance document that has to be filed every year with the Department of Labor uh, by July 31st. There's are extensions for it, but long or short of it has got to be filed. So if I don't file that, I'm going to be subject to some extremely hefty fines. And ultimately my plan is going to be looked at as being out of compliance and can be shut down and I could lose all tax advantages from it. So any prior tax advantages that I had, I could actually have to, I'd have to owe that to some degree. So non-compliance is a big deal the, the consequences of non-compliance is a big deal. Anyways, we see a lot of that. Another thing we see is is in correlation with that again the plan administrator taking on liability, you know, and, and the the administrative duties tied to that liability that they don't need to. So for example, again going back to the 5500, if I'm a plan administrator, my name has to be I have to sign that 5500 every year. So my responsibility is to, in some cases, prepare it. So I have to actually put all the data in there, in that form, review that data again, and then sign it and file it with the Department of Labor. Now, some, some payroll companies, I shouldn't even say payroll companies, most payroll companies and, and most providers in the industry prepare the form for most business owners. So they'll put in all the financial data, but that business owner or that controller or HR administrator still has to go in there and they have to review all that information, and and really tie it back to the financials of the reports from that plan and ensure its accuracy. They're still responsible for that. So even though that's even though someone's preparing the report for me, I'm still the one responsible for whether or not it's accurate as a business owner. So in this day and age, it's um, archaic to do it that way. There are not just us, but there's a lot of other providers that will do all that for a business owner they will prepare it. They will review it. They'll confirm it's accurate. They'll sign it and they'll file it with the, the department of labor. There's a lot of, of providers that'll do that now. But that all being said, I would say I still see at least 80% of 401k plans are still the liability of that 5,500, the liability of the compliance is still tied to someone at the business. Not a provider, not a third party. Someone at the business still has that liability on them. That is most certainly going to change significantly over the next five years. I think that we're going to see a ton of of offloading of that fiduciary responsibility to companies like Human Interest and and our competitors, and and uh, you know some financial advisors will also do that. So I would say that's that's again noncompliance, unnecessary fiduciary risk. Those are the that's the third biggest mistake I see.
1: That's so much, man. the 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 first thing I'm thinking is, if you saw somebody that hasn't done this since 2015 when they set it up, which makes a lot of sense. It's almost like why Why would they do it now? Aren't they going to get caught up? It, it, it's almost like uh someone hasn't paid their taxes in eight yeah. years, and now they all, right like, I don't right. want to draw attention to myself. So, like, yeah, is it I've a bad thing? It, right? <laughs> is it a bad thing to obviously that's bad. You want to be compliant and do the thing, but like. That won't backfire on them, right? So if you get them caught up, they're all set. There is
2: a voluntary compliance process they can go through, and that includes filing all their past due fifty-five hundreds, writing a letter to the Department of Labor explaining why they missed those years of filings, and then the Department of Labor gets to decide what to do with that. Now they could say, "Hey, you know what? We're going to ease your fines." Which, if I recall correctly, don't quote me on this, but it was somewhere in the realm of like eleven hundred dollars per late day.
1: Oh, jeez. <laughs> so,
2: so now does does that re- in reality does that really happen? In mo- most cases, no. Like they'll, that fine will get reduced drastically so long as the Department of Labor deems the reason that these filings were late is acceptable. So you are putting your fate in the Department of Labor's hands in that situation. But yeah, there there are ways to get it caught up and and you know taken care of.
1: What if you okay? So now I'm thinking of loopholes. And first of all, I I'm like I w- I don't want anything like that to happen. I don't want to put my fate in their hands. What if I just switched 401k plans and updated it going forward? That'd probably be harder to yeah. track,
2: right? In that scenario, you're going to get red flagged. You know, the Department of Labor is definitely going to put a red flag on your your retirement plan because if they see a gap in your offering, so what's going to happen is they're going to say, okay, well, he he filed in 2015. He he filed again in 2021. Now, did he just cancel his plan in, in the end of 2015 and then start a new one in 2021? Well, let's look at the assets. Yeah. Because if there's in 2015, 10 grand, and then in 2021, there's a million dollars, it's unlikely that they started a new plan in 2021. So the Department of Labor is going to red flag that plan, potentially audit it. And you do not want to wait to, until an audit to... Take care of that. That's the that's the last thing you want to do because there's going to be the 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 leniency that the Department of Labor is going to have on you during an audit is going to be far less than just voluntarily complying with their regulation.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I have a lot of listeners out there right now that are thinking, "Can I? Could I claim ignorance? Could I literally say I I just didn't know I had to file this?" And they'd be pretty generous yeah. with the reduction, I'm sure. Well, so.
2: I mean, here's the deal: you filed in 2015. You knew you had to file then. Why didn't you continue filing? You'd have to make a pretty good case to the Department of Labor that you, there'd have to be another reason, I think, than just ignorance. Again, I, I don't think, I really don't see the Department of Labor levying those sorts of fines to small businesses, particularly. There is going to be a fine, but I think they're going to be pretty lenient, you know, when it comes to small business 401k plans. Now, the larger that plan gets, the less lenient they're going to be.
1: I've seen this once and I saw, this is recently, $140,000, what would have been a fine. Reduced to, funny enough, I didn't know this, by the way, $1,100. Wow. Um, and the Department of Labor doesn't want to put for the listeners out there. They don't want you to be out of business. They want you to stay in business. No. They, in, in that case, also you're talking about like a, uh, let me see, 365000 times six years. You're talking like a $2 million fine for a 401k plan that might have like $2 million in it. So like they they don't yep. want to do that. No. Although I don't want to be tangled up with the Department of Labor in any way. And we better stop talking about it. Or they're going to nope. flag this whole podcast. And we're going to get uh shut yeah. down on LinkedIn or something. So um, no,
2: they're going to be like good good for them. We want to make sure people get get told this stuff. So that's that right. Hey, they, edu- can no the co- they can no longer. Yeah, they can't be claiming ignorance now.
1: Oh man, so. Yeah. So for all of the subscribers out there, uh, now we know. So get Sorry. compliant, folks. Get compliant. <laughs> that's all Austin's saying. And it's like, someone else, please, I'm the business owner. get like, take this off my plate. I don't want to deal with this. Exactly. But like, okay. So exactly. we got to get into mistake number four, because we got like five minutes left before you got to jump. Yep. What's yeah. uh, what's the last thing yep. you're seeing? Yeah. So last thing and,
2: and potentially the most important thing for, for small businesses and, and mid-sized businesses is seeing a, a, a 401k plan that's not integrated with payroll. So we've complained, we've talked in and we've kind of picked on payroll based 401k providers a little bit here. The benefit of those providers though, is that they're payroll integrated. What that ends up meaning to the business owner is that their administrative burden is significantly less than plans that are not payroll integrated. And again, to back up a little bit, payroll integration is a term that is frequently thrown around in the 401k industry. However, most payroll integrations are not actually full integrations. They're either a 180 integration or a 360 report feed, you know, something along those lines where there's still some level of human interaction with basically contributions and, and, and uh, employee elections flowing to and from uh, payroll 401k companies. Obviously, and I guess I'm gonna lay a little bit more of a foundation here. Payroll integration is so important because of the fact that there's this symbiotic relationship between your 401k and payroll. 401ks are always, is always payroll based. So employees will always have to go into the, the 401k system, say, I want to put 3% of my check away or $40 of my check away. And somehow that information has to get to the payroll company. So the payroll company knows how to, how much to take out of each employee's check and whether it's pre-tax, whether it's Roth, so on and so forth. And then once that money comes out of the check, then the data has to flow back to the 401k company so that they know how much to pull out of the company bank account to put into the 401k plan per employee. Again, the reason this is so important is because there's a lot of companies that are doing this manually. So their employees go enroll in the 401k system. Administrator at the company or the business owner goes in the 401k system, pulls the report, makes sure everything is accurate, sends it to the payroll company. Payroll company pulls it out of the checks and then the payroll company will send that report either directly to the 401k company or sometimes directly back to the, the business owner or administrator. And they're going to have to provide that to the, the 401k provider. So meanwhile, the party with the liability here is the business owner or whoever's handling that from the administrative perspective at the business. It's not the payroll company. Usually that's the liability. It's usually not the 401k that's taking on a liability. Almost all the time it's the, the liability is on the business. And so Payroll integration is so key because it removes liability, it ensures accuracy. So when you have a systemic integration, like an API, it's data flow both ways. Two systems talking to each other seamlessly. There's no human interaction with it. And that's, you know, that that's what providers like Human Interest do is we we set up these integrations so that, again, the liability is not there, the administrative lift's not there, you know, on the business, and the business can focus on what th- you know what they do that's why it's um it's a big deal and it's a problem that you know I see frequently is is business owners or their 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 key people are still working on 401k uploads file uploads the other thing that's important is census data right so census data has to be accurate at, at both the payroll company and the 401k company and if they're not speaking to each other that responsibility falls on the business to ensure That it's accurate across the board again when you have an integration you still have to do that with one party usually it's payroll but once payroll has the census data and there's that integration it's it's the same across the board everyone's got the same information you know and again that 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 the reason that's important ties back to things like eligibility periods so you as the business owner or you as you know the key person at the the, the business like a controller are not keeping track of individual employees eligibility anymore Someone else is doing that because they have a system to do it and because it's so much easier for them to do it. That would be, I'd say the fourth biggest mistake is plans that are not payroll integrated.
1: All right. To wrap this up quickly, I could could keep asking you questions. I also promise Austin this would be 15 to 20 minutes and here we are. So, So folks, we need to get in the right plan. We need to make sure the advisors and the plans are communicating with the participants and themselves. We need to get you compliant. We need to make sure that census stuff is taken care of. If I'm a business owner, and I'm listening to this. I'm like, again, can someone just do this for me at a non-outrageous cost? So Austin is one of those people that can help. Austin, how do the listeners, either financial advisors, by the way, the advisor? we have a lot of advisor listeners. How do the advisors get a hold of you, or how do the business owners get a hold of you? What's the best way? Yeah, best way is just
2: call me, call me, text me. Just low barrier
1: up. entry. Yeah, throw text. your cell phone number out there. Yeah.
2: All right. Cool. Cool. <laughs> My cell phone and Franny. This is free information for any scammers out there. 585-727-9684. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All
1: right, folks, I hope that was helpful. Uh, awesome. that was great. It's very helpful to me as an advisor. I'm sure the other advisors got a lot out of this as well. So we'll end there. Make it a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.
3: Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security, or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.